Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today, I bring you Commander Rourke Denver. I've had tons of amazing guests on this show, well over 100 now, billionaires, astronauts, professional athletes, world-renowned entrepreneurs, and they've shared their insider secrets for success. They've offered everything from top book recommendations to success hacks to action items that you can use today to see results immediately. If you're like me, you love this kind of stuff. And if you're like me, you want to get the cliff notes, or I guess these days they call them the spark notes. Well, you can get access to the action plans from your favorite guests, like Spartan Race founder Joe DeSena from episode 27, or Navy SEAL Mark Devine from episode 45, or maybe fitness guru Tony Horton from episode 85, plus other amazing tips and tactics to help you get clear on how to get from where you're at to where you want to be. I put all this in one place because you're busy and you want to get what you need quickly so you can move on with your day. Here's what I want you to do. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash action to get instant access to everything I just talked about. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, there are three dots on your screen. Just touch the three dots, select view full description. There you'll see the link to download all the incredible resources and action plans that I just mentioned. Now for today's guest. Rourke has run every phase of training for the U.S. Navy SEALs and led special forces missions in the Middle East, Africa, Latin America, and international hotspots. He starred in the hit film Act of Valor, which is based on true Navy SEAL adventures. His New York Times bestseller titled Damn Few, Making the Modern Seal Warrior, takes you inside his personal story in the fascinating, demanding SEAL training program. In his second book titled Worth Dying For, A Navy SEAL's Call to a Nation, Rourke tackles the questions that have emerged about America's past decade at war from what makes a hero to why we fight and, and what it does to us. Rourke was most recently seen on Fox's American Grit TV show, and the series followed 16 of the country's toughest men and women as they faced a variety of military-grade and survival-themed challenges set in the wilderness. Rourke was also an NCAA All-American lacrosse player at Syracuse University, where he was a member of two NCAA championship teams. As usual, if you don't have time to listen to this entire episode, or if you hear something you like, but you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of The Action Plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Rourke, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, Jim. So why don't you start with just giving us sort of a background, kind of where you grew up and sort of a 30,000-foot view of how you got from there to, to where you're at now. 
Yeah, sure. I, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, California, south of San Francisco, you know, right in the heart of Silicon Valley before, um, you know, before we knew people were building laptops and stealth fighters and things like that. <laughs> Garages in that neighborhood. It felt it felt normal back then. You know, I mean, we had apricot orchards and, um, you know, what seemed like a regular life. And now it's just blown into the stratosphere of tech. Uh, and money and all that good stuff. Still a great part of the world, but um, you know, generally unaffordable for uh, uh, the, the foot soldier in the world. But it's uh, it's still a special place. So I grew up there, um, like you, athlete my whole life. I mean, sports was uh, how I kind of communicated in the world. I mean, it was my most comfortable place. I loved to read, um, uh, which was the only academic pursuit that I, I, I met with success, math and other things were just <laughs> galactic failures. But, um, you know, sports were really a thing. And I, you know, I played it all. Like a lot of us, you know, played soccer, baseball, football, basketball, all the games. And then um, lacrosse is the one that kind of took uh, me to the next level. So I went and played lacrosse at Syracuse up in central New York. Um, you know, as you mentioned, got to play at a really high level when that team was, um, you know, right in the thick of its, uh, you know, dominance in that sport amongst your alma mater, who I banged heads with at Virginia many times. Yeah. And, the Princes and the Johns Hopkins. We're all still there, um, but they've got a lot more competition now. Uh, and then the, the, the spring of my senior year, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I was actually a fine arts major, so I, I was relatively confident I wouldn't be able to get a job that would probably pay the bills. But that didn't concern me all that much. But I was trying to figure out what was next. And um, a lot of uh, a lot of Navy SEALs have fine arts backgrounds, I imagine. Of course, right? of course, yeah. it's, it's generally what brings people <laughs> to the program. And uh, now I was, I, was, I was reading uh, I was reading Winston Churchill at the time, and, and something about uh, his writings really led me to the. Um, to the um, podcast, or I'm sorry, led me to the um, uh, led me to the service world, and and so military seemed like you know the best place for me to kind of cut my teeth as a young as a young man, and and really um, you know just start my adult life. I mean, military service like felt like 100% the place for me to start, and it, and it proved true. So once once I knew I wanted to serve, I I, I kind of researched the different organizations, the SEAL teams uh, had the. Um, the worst percentage of possibility of succeeding. And that sounded like the right thing to me. And huh. so uh, 13, 13 active duty years. I'm actually finishing up in the reserves uh, 20 years here uh, in under a year. And uh, just, you know, deployments all over the world, combat engagements uh, on, on multiple continents. I feel very blessed to have been part of it. And uh, the lessons I've pulled of that has kind of led into my my current life, which is I'm, I'm, I'm the founder uh, and, and creator of Ever Onward, which is this leadership, high performance kind of uh, culture brand brand that uh that i'm in charge of so um it's been quite an adventure yeah and it's an amazing company that you've got i want to talk more about that but first you know the name rourke denver it's a it's i gotta admit it's a pretty great name <laughs> how much do you think that factored into you becoming a navy seal you know that's interesting uh i don't think anybody's <laughs> asked me that but it, 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 it's funny I, I do think um, i ask the hard questions no, I love it. I mean, you know, so it's my dad's mom's maiden name. So I'm, it's a it's a family name from Ireland. Um, it's got some great tradition and, and some things I've researched, which I love. I'm the first person to have it as a first name. Um, so it's it's kind of neat to hold that, uh, you know, that bloodline and that clan name, you know, as a first name. Um, I think it plays. I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's interesting when you look at the landscape of successful people. And, and this is uh, I hope this comes across in no way like arrogant or things like that. But it's, it's funny when you look at, you know, the top athletes, a lot of the top performers, you know, some of them have great names. Some of them are, are yeah. just straight. You know, good looking, you're saying both. people. And you're like, look, it's probably not 
a coincidence that, um, you know, Ronaldo performs well <laughs> yeah. in the world, you know, because look, I mean, wh- why would that guy not have anything but confidence as he's running, running around the world? You know? <laughs> I know, so right? It's, it's, uh, it's interesting how that works. So I'm sure it played. I'm sure it played. Of course. So we're all fascinated, me, the listeners, we're all fascinated with Navy SEAL training. Uh, a lot of people who listen to this show, not all, but you know, a fair number were, were athletes at some level. So we've gone through physical suffering and pain and whatnot. But what for you, Rourke, was the hardest part of Navy SEAL training? You know, I joke about this. It was uh, it was actually the the physics math math test in second phase of uh, of dive training. Yeah, I, I was a disaster in math and sciences growing up, and all of a sudden I had to do like long division, some percentages to figure out like the gas tables and sure. immersion tables, and I felt like I was actually going to depart SEAL training because I was going to fail the math test, which is a pretty <laughs> uh, a pretty rugged uh, reality to face. To be honest, and I, I don't say this from any place of me having something different than other people have as far as you know, born gifts and abilities and things like that. The bulk of the training for the guys that make it is just straight a good time. And you feel like you found the peer group you want to be around, you know, like you, I love playing sports. I love the suffering. I love preseason where it's the worst leading up to the games. The games just kind of seem like a cherry on top at the end. I, I like the grind. And so going to a place where the grinds about as hard as any other on earth, I felt like I was home. I just felt like I'd hit the right place. So um, the physical part and the mental part, I, I really felt um, tremendous comfort there. And I think most of the guys that, that see the finish line um, w- would tell you the same, not not to undervalue how hard and how hard it is and how um, savage it can be, but sure. it just... For those that make it, they're, they're kind of designed for that crucible. We talk a lot on the show about commitment. You know, you get to a point where you got to a point where you had to make a commitment to to go into this training. It's a huge commitment. Uh, from what I understand, you can quit or back out anytime, right? But but when right. you when you make this commitment, I mean, you're going into it for a reason, with a goal, with a full intention on completing the training and becoming a Navy SEAL. What was that like making that commitment? And what was that process like coming to that point where you wanted, where you chose to make this massive commitment? Yeah. I I mean, I think I was always a a pretty disciplined, intense person, even from a, from a young age. And so, so I think, you know, kind of taking big bites into things that, that a lot of people, well, not a lot of people that, that some people wouldn't take on. Um, I, I built that up a little bit. Like I, I played, I played both water polo and lacrosse in, in high school. I played on you know, like the junior Olympic level of water polo. There are wow. a couple of guys, my senior year of water polo that I made borderline cry in the pool that played on the 96 Olympic team. Wow. Now that does where my life would have gone depending if I'd played collegiate water polo, but it would have been frankly, it would have been much easier. And I probably would have played quicker if I'd stayed in California and played water polo at huh. a Stanford USC or a Cal. Going to Syracuse, where I'd only played lacrosse for three years. I picked up lacrosse my first time my sophomore year of high school. You know, most kids that play at Virginia and Syracuse have been playing since they were three, let alone three years ago. Sure. Right? So I got recruited, and I, and I knew I was good enough to play there, but I, I definitely sought out the deep end of the pool in a, in a, in a peer group that I'd probably um, struggle against early on, and that, that proved true. I mean, I, I had to really grind out a spot to make it to you know a, a starter and a captain and, and, and all that good stuff. So I feel like there's been some part of me that's always enjoyed that, and so there's there, that probably was instilled by my dad, my brother, and my mom, and you know pastors and mentors and coaches and all those things that that make help help you become who you become. Um, 
so the commitment didn't feel, I guess, overwhelming on the onset. I mean, little did we know. Um, I mean, very few guys going to the SEAL teams not um, prepared or well thought out of what the eventual ask could be, which is going into harm's way and, and getting in fights. And in fact, most of us desire that that would happen. Um, you know, and those books of history would open that way. I had no idea that the books would open so quickly in my career and for the entire um, you know, experience of it and how intense that fighting would be, but it, it proved to be a gift. And so, you know, the commitment felt right. It, it didn't felt feel like a um, Herculean thing. It felt like, let's go do this and, and I'm going to put my head down. And I, I'm kind of one of those guys, and, and I'm sure your listeners um, are the same or are seeking this out, that, you know, it's kind of like Cortez, man. I'm going to burn the boats at the beach so there's no there's no going back. I'm, mm, I, I'm, yeah. If I go to do something, I'm going to go do it. Yeah, and you mentioned you sought out the deep end of the pool. Talk a little bit more about that and, and certainly how it relates to athletics, but also how it relates to the the listener, the the man or woman who's out in the real world listening right now. Maybe they're a parent, maybe they're on a treadmill right now or on their commute to work and they're thinking, Okay, how do I how do I use that mindset in my in my life today? Yeah, I mean, I you know, like I said, I I decided to serve in the military, and and the military is a large organization. You, you can go from everything from almost entirely administrative jobs within the military, which are great jobs. You could be a cook, you could be a special operator, you could be a pilot. There's all these different jobs. I I, I actually very sincerely don't see. I'll run into people. They'll say, oh well, you know, they know who I am. They say, I, I you know, I was I was a cook. I didn't do what what you did. I was a mechanic. And I'm like, hey, don't don't hang your head. If 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 if, if seals and 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 elite units don't have a full belly with good chow we're not going to hit a target well if our trucks aren't working i don't know how to turn a wrench on that thing and we wouldn't go do our job so i, I really see it as all one big team Th that said the seal training program has about a historic 75 to 80 percent attrition rate so 75 to 80 percent of the young lions that show up don't see the finish line and for me that appeals so the, the hard things in my mind it's doing hard things that uh make life you know, sweet and make experiences worth doing. You know, nobody ever jumped up and celebrated doing something easy. It's the hard things. It's the challenging things. It's those things that you might not, you might not succeed at that you could fail at, which is, you know, right down into the DNA of what you like talking about. That's the good stuff. That's where the growth lives. That's where the, the real passion and pride of, of who you are, um, lives. And, and so, so you got to seek it out. I, I think people, um, we've very much created this insulated bubble of comfort in this world. I mean, you can go from, yeah. uh, ambient temperature of 70 degrees in your house or whatever temp you like to your car at the same degree, to an office at the same degree and never really get uncomfortable if you don't want yeah. to. And, and, and look, we see the results. We're, we're obese, we're stressed out. We're living in a digital cell phone world and, and people are, you know, shooting each other at, at the office and at schools. I, I think it's no small thing that, um, you know, we're not going down the path of, 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 of a little bit of hardship and some tough things that help build character and grit and all those things that we know um, build good human beings. You know, I, I joke sometimes with, with friends and colleagues that I, I go from my house to sometimes when I go to my office, if it's like raining outside, I have a parking deck I can park on uh, below, so I don't have to get my I don't have to get wet. I don't even have to walk from like the parking lot into my into the building and get wet. And my dad worked for forty years as a construction sheet metal worker, and you know, in the the hottest heat of a black as asphalt uh, tar roof with two, you know metal tools that you can't even hold. You had to put in a bucket of water just so you, they cool them off enough so you could hold them in your hands. To the other extreme and. We lived, grew up in Pittsburgh, so 
to the other extreme of, of, you know, below freezing weather, below zero weather outside all day, you know, it's like this. And so, so I look back on my life and I'm so thankful for the crucible experience that, that wrestling served for me. I mean, we had, a, we did a lot of, we lived a very blue collar life growing up. I split wood year round and hunting and we just did hard, a lot of hard things, but, but wrestling was really that, that crucible experience. I'm so thankful for that. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's missing in society, you know? Um, it, it is, you know, and, and you touch on something that I think is important. And I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it really is. I think it's easy to say it's important for men only, but it's, you know, I have daughters and I think it's important yeah. for men and women the one thing I love about um, wrestling, and I, I didn't wrestle. My brother was a, a really good wrestler, and I think if he'd had, if he if he'd stuck with it longer, he probably would have played, uh, you know, competed at the collegiate level. There's something about fighting, right? There's something about towing the line against another human being in physical combat, and and that can be sports, that could be doing jujitsu on the side, that could be you know the far extreme where I, I took it to the SEAL teams and wanted to go get in you know gunfights, but that uncovers and kind of brings out things in people that's different than other sports. It, it, it just does. You know, I, I, I boxed a little bit in college on the side of being an athlete, not for Syracuse at a gym there. And, and the first time I'd done a bunch of practice, I knew how to throw a jab, a right cross, I knew how to throw a combination, I knew how to defend and parry and move and all these different things. The first time you turn around in a ring and you see another human staring at you that's coming to, you know, hit you in the head and, and hurt you, um, something special happens there. There's some weird, uh, you know, I'm sure they've studied it, cortisol and, 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 and alchemy of chemicals that releases in your body that that's going to really tell you something special about yourself. So I, I would recommend this to your listeners that don't go out and try and get in a bar fight right now, but <laughs> do something where you compete, you know, very tangibly against somebody else. It doesn't have to be the physical stuff. I think, I think the fighting and that stuff is the ultimate expression of that, but something special happens. It's, it's unique. It's unique. Yeah, I know you talk a lot about the value of suffering, and I just looked back. I was actually talking last night with a a friend. I had some friends over for a cookout last night at the house, and 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 it came up that um, we, somehow wrestling came up, and I talked about one time I lost twenty two pounds in two and a half days, and and they looked at me, and I, I they couldn't. I, I think some of them didn't even believe me, and which is fine. Right. I think when you're not in the wrestling world, you don't really get that that's actually a possible thing that that, that people can do, right? And right. Uh, but I just I look back at that experience, and it was it was hell. I mean, it's absolutely hell it was the worst weight cut i'd ever done um and just for the moms out there listening that's not possible in the wrestling world anymore there are regulations against that it was we weighed in the day before now you weigh in right before yeah. you wrestle so you can't even do yeah. those things anymore uh there's urine tests what you know hydration tests etc but regardless so th- the point is i've I, I look back and it was a hell- hellacious experience but but it was i value it so much i'm so glad i'm so glad that i experienced that pain and that suffering, because I know I can function through that. I know I can make a choice to do a hard thing, a really, really That's hard right. thing, you know? That's- and and I know you, Rourke, talk a lot about the value of suffering. Why, why, is, why is suffering good for us? It, exactly what you just said. I feel like it serves as an anchor point or as a, um, you know, kind of a baseline uh, understanding of what you can handle, right? So if you want to suffer a little, then you know you can suffer a little, and that that's good. I have no problem with somebody suffering a little. If you suffer more, or you go to the far extreme of doing, you know, some insane endurance race, you do a marathon, you do an Ironman, which you know, again, we can we can argue the the the, the varying degrees of suffering. But if you push your, however hard you're willing to push yourself, in my mind, it serves as an inoculation to when hard times come that yeah. you weren't planning. Right. So the fact that I've done SEAL training, I've done these like crucibles that, that you know, a lot of people throw the hat in and quit and, and decide to um, go away from it. Um, it kind of creates this new 
um, bottom for me where most of my regular life now is a tremendous reduction in intensity from that level. So now, I, like you, I love to hunt. I love going out in the wild country and tough terrain. I do that, you know, self-reliant on my own, carrying that weight on my back, uh, you know, as hard as I can go into, into tough environments where the weather can get me. Alpha predators that live in those regions can get me. And I like that. I like being in those badlands. It turns something on inside me that, you know, I've just grown accustomed to. Um, and, and because of that, I feel like if something comes and hits me from left field, whatever that might be, I, you know, I don't hope for it, but I think suffering is going to come into everyone's life. No matter on some degree, you're going to get hit with something. You're going to lose a friend, a family member. Somebody's going to get sick. You're going to lose jobs. You know, these things are going to go south on you. You're either going to be somebody that's done a little work to be ready for it, or you've done no work and it's going to be a lot, lot tougher to, to, um, shoulder the burden. That's for sure. When you were going through SEAL training, was ever was there ever a moment where you considered quitting? There wasn't. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of the SEAL books, and you know, I've written a couple myself. But but I've seen most of the books have said every, or I've seen quite a few that said, you know, everybody thinks about quitting. I, I say this, you know, candidly and humbly, it never occurred to me to quit. I knew I wanted to be a SEAL. I knew the barrier to entry was getting through that program, whatever they threw at you. And so in my mind, again, I think this is most of the, the, the folks that make it to the finish line. I, I was either going to pass an event, I was going to pass out during the event, or they were going to kill me. You know, so so for me, it, it never really occurred to me. And like I said, SEAL training, when I look back, it was nothing but fun. I mean, if I was 25, <laughs> again, I wouldn't want to do it again tomorrow at 40, 44. But uh, if I could do it again at 25, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Okay. You heard it here, folks. SEAL training was nothing but fun. So maybe there'll be like a SEAL training uh, Wonderlander <laughs> park out there someday. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've run every phase of training for the Navy SEALs. What characteristics make a great seal. And then maybe can you help us translate that into for the real world, for the listener who's saying, okay, how do I take, seek those characteristics in myself and, and, and make myself uh, the best version of myself in yeah. the real world? Yeah, th there's a lot. So probably more than we'll unpack in, in one session, but I'll, I'll give you a couple that, sure. I, that I saw that were absolutely critical. The, if there's one thing we could export from SEAL training, uh, or if I could figure out a way to put it into a, a, a fizzy drink and bottle it, which would <laughs> instantly make you me a billionaire, would be um, to never quit. I, I mean, it sounds so trite and, and simple, but if you quit in SEAL training, you're adventurous. You're not going to see the finish line. That's it. You're done. Go do something else. If you don't quit, it's possible you won't make it. I mean, it's possible you're going to fail something or they're going to see something in you or we're going to see something in you that doesn't you know, gel with the team or you do something performance-wise that's going to make you go away. But that's very, very rare, exceedingly rare. If you don't quit, there's a good chance you're going to become a SEAL. And a SEAL is you know, a pretty uh, high test, high pinnacle thing to achieve, right? And so it is honestly about that simple. And I just see it in my kids. I see it in friends and I just won't let them quit. I won't let them give up on something because you can develop this level of not giving up. You're going to go far. I mean, you might not get every goal you're, you're shooting at, but you guaranteed won't get it if you give up. So, so not quitting is, is the elemental, you know, baseline thing that somebody needs to have in their DNA or that program is not going to work for them. And, and I just want to, I just want to make one quick comment on that Rock, before you go on to the next one. So around don't quit, like we see, and I'm talking really to the listener right now, you, you look at other people who are doing the thing that you want to do, right? You're looking at whether it's 
they're healthy and fit, whether they have a great marriage, maybe they're making a million dollars, whatever that thing is that they're doing that, that you don't have yet that you want and that you're trying to do and you're failing at or you're struggling or you're facing obstacles or adversity, you've got to realize, number one, there are a few people out there that, that it's easy for them, right? They're, yep. they're just yep. out there out there, right? And they're the exception, not the norm. They're the exception not the norm. It, it, when you, when you, and that's what we do in this podcast is we go deep with successful people and go, tell us how, tell us how it really was, right? And they tell us about the challenge, the hell, the setbacks, the suffering, the, the pain and suffering and the obstacles and adversity. And we learn about that and go, oh, okay. So this is supposed to be hard, right? This, because if it was easy, everybody would be healthy and fit. Everybody would have an awesome marriage. Everybody would be making a million dollars. So, so I want to normalize that experience of, just don't quit. I mean, it's, it's, it's That's right. You know, the, other th- the, the other thing you said that I, I, I talk to, um, a lot to, to people is, is, you know, how, how you kind of identify there's for some people it's easy. The thing that's interesting to me is I've rarely seen those people over a long spectrum of time actually have lasting success. Yeah, the sure. ones for whom it's easy, because in general, they're going to find some turn in the road that they can't handle. And it was all easy up in the vent. Yep. If you told me I could pick my assault team from the basic course of instruction there and training to make it simple, we have we have timed runs, time swims, all those things. So let's say let's say the run time for a four mile time run in the sand with boots, soft sand in the sand with boots is you know twenty seven minutes. Let's say that's you have to go twenty seven minutes or faster to pass the time. Now the guy that comes gliding across in twenty four minutes, hardly breathing hard because he was an you know Olympic level runner, has an insane cardiovascular system. It's easy for him. I, I, I look at him. The guy that comes across or the gal comes across in twenty six minutes. 58 seconds and is throwing up as they come across the finish line. I want that person in my assault. Team. Yeah. Cause that person is going to be tough no matter what I throw at them. So, you, you know, you got to embrace, you know, they talk about the Marine Corps. I think they've coined to the best embrace the suck, but trust me, if it's not easy for you, st- st- stay the course, you know, hold the line and go after it. You'll, you'll be more capable than the person that's e- easy for nine times out of 10. Man. Well said. So you published your first book titled Damn Few, Making the Modern Seal Warrior back in 2013. And yep. at the time I read this, you said, with all the SEALs' recent successes, we've been getting a level of acclaim we're not used to, but something important has been missing in this warm burst of publicity. Correcting that is my mission here. Can you talk about that? What was that correcting that that, that was your mission? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that I think you know, up until recent times, the SEALs and all special operators have been just shrouded in absolute darkness and secrecy, and that there's there's some real benefit that goes with that. I think um, our kind of arrival on the international stage was inevitable, whether it was, you know, the the, the last president who, you know, announced the bin Laden raid or, or when we rescued Captain Phillips or these fantastic events that multiple different, you know, special operations and, and conventional warriors have done on the battlefield it's kind of just subject to the times. I mean, the 24 hour reporting cycle, the way information moves around, there's, there's really no way I think it could be kept under wraps. I mean, every unit now has a lot of their mission sets have been splashed on, on mainline pages. And what I kind of saw in, in the writing about the, 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 um, I'll just talk about the SEAL teams because that's the organization I was a part of. And this is not to detract from any you know individual writer or teammate of mine who I'll, I respect all greatly, is that the book's kind of focused on 
you know, just the, this is how many push-ups we do. This is how much swimming and running we do. Um, this is how many people we killed. This is the specific person I killed. It, it was a little more eye-centric and kind of focused on, on a person or an event. And I said, I, I want to talk about higher ideals. I want to talk about resilience. I want to talk about family. I want to talk about service and sacrificing yourself to something greater than yourself and subjugating yourself to something that's worth doing that gets you out of the way and, and, and gives you purpose in the things you do. So I, I tried to focus on those higher ideals. If you read either of my books, they're much more uh, we focused than me focused, or at least that was my intent. I tried to. Um, and so that, that's what I thought was missing in the conversation was that there's, you know, there's a bigger family, there's a team there, there's, there's, um, you know, foundational elements of who we are that, that everybody could apply to their life. And when I talk to, you know, the corporate world or businesses, which I do a lot of consulting and, and speaking with, you know, I focus on those because they do translate to, to, to regular life and to business, not, uh, you know, not just the battlefield. In your more, your more recent book titled Worth Dying For, A Navy SEAL's Call to a Nation, answers, like I said in the, in the bio there, three primary questions, three powerful questions. Number one, what makes a hero? Number two, why do we fight? Number three, what does fighting do to us? Can you talk about those? Yeah, yeah. You know, when I when I focused on on heroes, I kind of just looked at you know it's easy to pinpoint the you know the Medal of Honor winner or the you know let, let's get off the battlefield the, the the winning you know touchdown or goal in a game. It's easy to highlight you know that individual's spectacular act to win that game, but you know that that shot or that final goal was born on the back of a ton of small plays and small acts and, and little moments that, that go unheralded. And that, that was every bit as important to that victory as anything else. And, and, you know, it is the soccer mom that's juggling, uh, you know, the single mom that's juggling, you know, the finances, the household, three kids, her job, her life, yeah. um, any less a hero than a medal of honor winner. I think absolutely not is, is a, is a boy scout at the grocery store that, that takes, you know, uh, an elderly person's groceries to their trunk, a hero, I really think they are. I mean, that's yeah. where the good stuff, you know, so I think it's, um, I think the idea of heroes has been thrust up on this pedestal that, that may be a little too, um, I don't know, glitzed up than it actually is. So I, I really want to focus on them in my mind, everyday heroes and that, that we all can do that. Uh, if we just ask a little more from ourselves in a given day. Um, what was my second question? Why do we you fight? Know, yeah, the, the, the why do we fight falls into the, you know, do you believe there's something worth fighting for? I mean, I think in the current, uh, you know, political climate, we have, you know, unfortunately, very north and southbound trains um, discussing who we are as a people and who we are in the world. I, I think the bulk of the country is not. I think most people are a whole lot closer to the middle than the uh, the flag bearers, certainly in our political class, um, you know, that talk about this stuff. But that, you know, there's things worth fighting for. And, and I think fighting is a natural thing. If you look at the natural, particularly as a hunter and outdoorsman, you know, you see this unfold every day uh, in very violent means. Um, fighting for survival, fighting for resources, fighting for you know your family and your 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 friends. I don't think we're different. In fact, I know I, I know for a fact we're not different. Um, doesn't mean we go out and poke people in the eye and try and create fights. But I think if we want to exist uh, as long as we have, which is a very very short window of time in the world's history, although what we've achieved is kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Um, we're going to need to fight for that. It's not going to be free and, and other people are going to challenge that. So I think, I, I, I think fighting is worth doing and, and, and you damn sure better be prepared to fight. And what does fighting do to us? You know, I, th I think it just teaches you about yourself. And I think it, uh, I think it kind of exposes the realities of, of if the fight's worth 
worth it and and if it uh is something we we should pursue i mean i i love i love to fight i love to compete so i was real happy not ha- happy is a horrible way to say it. i was um I-, I was ready when you know 9-11 unfolded and i got to fight in iraq and afghanistan these different places i, I felt i felt lucky in many ways to be a part of that fight and be a part of that that forward uh vanguard and that far extreme of human experience doing that that said I love history. I love reading, and, and uh, I, I think every bit as much or more than I, I just uh, fight. And that's how could we get embroiled in Afghanistan, right? I mean, how many how many uh, empires have crashed against those those mountains and 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 had it not end well, you know? So you got to be student of history as well. And, and when you go to fight, you you learn the lessons um, in a much more intense way. So I, I talk also about you know PTSD and, and what killing does, but that's a that's a deeper, longer story. Yeah, yeah, and. We look at you as a guy who's been very successful. You know, pick up lacrosse stick, uh, play for three years in high school. You go on to be an uh, NCAA All-American, win two national championships. You go on to become a Navy SEAL. Uh, you talk about SEAL training being fun, nothing but fun, and and just tremendous success. We look at a guy like you about, you know, this guy doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. He doesn't struggle. Um, can you tell us about a time maybe where you did fail, maybe where you failed, you felt that hopelessness, maybe that overwhelming self-doubt that, that comes with that and how you were able to move through that? Yeah, I mean nobody's nobody's bulletproof, right? And the you know I love mythology and stuff, and the and the, the 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 rub of the gods, you know, Poseidon and and, and uh, Zeus and all these people is that you, you can't you can't really respect them that much because they were immortal, right? So we're far <laughs> yeah. more uh, capable because we're we are mortal and we can we can we can fail and lose and fall apart and and, and die and end this adventure um, in the blink of an eye and that, that that's what makes that's where courage comes from. I mean, the, the gods weren't courageous; they had nothing to lose. We we have to be courageous. We want to do big things because uh, it can cost us everything. Um, I love failure. So, I mean, the reason I said yes to come talk to you is you're talking about one of my favorite subjects. I think failure is like, uh, you know, it's like cordwood, right? Like you stack up all your failures on the wall like cordwood, and then you use that to fuel all your future successes. You know, you burn those failures to go to go win um, somewhere down the road. You know, when I applied to become a SEAL officer, I, I put in my application um, and it took me about a year to find out um, that they didn't want me. So I, I got turned down. I got a, a call from my dad and it was my dad's a real disciplined person. He called me. He didn't he didn't you know, waste any time. He's like, hey, just got a letter from Uncle Sam. They they say, you know, he didn't say you're not good enough, but he say they're they're not they're not going to accept you. So um, I'm going to hang up now. You think about it and call me when you need <laughs> you know, call me when you need an ear. And, <laughs> and I'll never forget it. And I have that letter and I've saved that letter of rejection. It, it was tough, too, because. I don't say this again, you know, hopefully from an arrogant place, but I, I kind of had everything I thought I needed. You know, I smoked the screen test. I had good grades. I was a, a, a an All-American, a multi-time national championship, a team captain. I, I got this turndown letter. I was like, Jesus, who, who are they taking um, into this program if, if my application didn't, you know, didn't make muster? Um, it turned out to be a gift, you know, in, in many ways. Uh, the program now that I've I've helped run the program, I've seen how it works a little bit more. But the fact that I reapplied was a huge advantage. I, I didn't do a whole lot in my second application different than my first application. I think there's just a lot of people competing for a finite number of very very competitive spots, and they like seeing people come back. You know, and, and look, we wouldn't be talking right now if that phone call or that failure had been the end of it. I mean, if that had been okay with me and I'd moved on to go, you know, I don't know, work in finance or get a job uh, at Walmart or wherever I want to go do, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, maybe there's something else to talk about, but it was because they said no, that I said, nope, that, that's, 
that's not going to work for me. I want to push it further. And, and um, I saw that through that, that I'm, that I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, so I, I think failures are, are the good stuff. You know, my, my, when my, when my, when my daughters, if I ever hear them say, I can't, they, they've learned this now that, that that's a complete no, no, that I'm like, well, now, unfortunately now we can't <laughs> leave until you do what you just said you can't do. Right. So might be a long night, but can't's not something we, we do in this family. So, so let's, let's grind away at it. But, you know, I, I saved that letter. I, I had that letter where they said I wasn't good enough and, and it stung. It definitely stung. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I've a I have this recording of my daughter when she was three years old, and uh, and we were talking about something that was hard, and and I I recorded it. I don't know why I was recording, but but she looked at me and she said, "Daddy, we're Harshaws, and Harshaws never give up." Oh. <laughs> so it's the it's the coolest thing, man. I have that on recording, oh, never, but never you know, brain brainwashing them from that young age, you know that uh, that yeah. that failure is is you know, or I should say, struggle is is just. It's just part of the game. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, my bride is the one that kind of coined our most, you know, consistent term on that. And that's our girls will say something's hard and, and she'll just simply be like, I know you can do hard things. Yeah. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's like you can do hard things. And I mean, if everybody took that on and said you can do hard things, I mean, God, we'd all yeah. be doing so much. Love more. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, if you ask my kids, uh, how do you get tough? And they'll tell you by doing tough things. And that's it's right. just a simple you know, simple you know phrase that I learned from uh, head wrestling coach at University of Minnesota, Jay Robinson. It's just it's as simple as that. So, yeah, ooh, one of the legends in Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for the listener who's saying, "Okay, I'm in. I bought in. I love this." Rourke, what do I do in the next 24 to 48 hours? How do I take this and make this actionable in my life and do one action item, at least one action item, in the next 24 to 48 hours? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, I you know I do I do a couple of things. I, I do a couple of things that make you uncomfortable, and these are easy things to do in your household. So I give, I give the ones that everybody can do because we all kind of exist at least in a similar place to do this. Um, I'm a real early riser, and I get up you know about five every day, and that puts me in the you know the less than one percent of how early people get up during the day. So this this is my metric for getting up early. And a lot of you know people in the military do this, but if you get up if you currently get up before six in the morning you don't really need to get up any earlier. But if you backed it up 15 minutes to a half hour, you'll get a, a half hour more work and go to bed a little bit earlier. Probably not missing much in the at the end of the day as much as you gain at the beginning of the day. If you get up after six o'clock in the morning, back it up a half hour to 45 minutes and just start doing that. Do, do that for a month. A week's not enough. Two weeks, not enough. Do something for a month. A month pretty quickly leads to an actual habit in a year and, and, and you'll, you'll reap benefits from that. The other one, like on the basic level of suffering, I like to do a lot of things that are, 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 you know, real suffering stuff, but a physical one that we all enjoy in our household. And that actually they proved tremendous benefits. And I'm not the one that created this. I saw something about it on a, you know, YouTube post is getting into is taking these cold showers. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about like a horrible little thing to do in the yeah. morning and take like a bone bitter cold cold shower. One they figured out if you do it consistently, you will no kidding actually lose weight. It almost works as an anti-inflammatory, and then it just like vitalizes you know just invigorates you when you do it. And look, you're saving you're saving on your heating bill. That's I'm right. telling you, Take cold showers. You will curse me for it if it's not something you're into because it really does suck. But yeah. it's actually for you and it's one of those things that you just can do and control and it's something that's tough it's like you don't want to do it you do it you get past it, you're like all right i did something i didn't want to do it was a little tough and then build on those things yeah you know, it's do tough small it's good for you yeah for sure for yeah. sure 
And you talked a little bit earlier about your brand, Ever Onward. Tell us about Ever Onward. I'm especially curious about your campfire sessions, but tell us about yeah. what you're doing now in some of those campfire sessions. No, I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's new. You know, I, I only launched this thing about a, about a year ago. Um, Ever Onward's kind of my... Um, you know, my brand that I take, you know, I take SEAL principles, but then I'm getting to interface with so many different people in business and sports and in leadership and in politics and different things. So, I mean, you know, the, the SEAL is kind of my foundational place that I pull from, but I'm taking a lot of my experiences in the world, whether that be on the battlefield or, or you know, um, in training, and, and I use those to, you know, create culture, um, grow people's resilience and toughness and, and um, leadership and teamwork and, and performing at a high level. So, the, the two easiest ways to connect starting in, 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 you know, to get connected to the Ever Onward tribe is, is go to RourkeDenver.com, just my name, RourkeDenver.com, and that, that goes to our Ever Onward site. And we've got two things that you can easily engage with. First is the Commander's Coffee. That's kind of my distro. Um, you know, I get tired of kind of the white noise every Tuesday email from your motivational folks. I mean, some people do it really well, but a lot of people I know just go instantly delete. So I, I've, I've been very purposeful about the fact that I will not flood your inbox with uh, with too much stuff. You know, I've only launched really one or two of these things. I'm starting to do them video style so you can kind of see me and, and hear something I want to talk about. But if you sign up for my Camp Commander's Coffee, that's free. It's going to come to you about once a month, maybe twice a month. And, uh, you know, I'll give you some value, valuable content or I hope valuable content there. The other one you mentioned are the campfire sessions. So I, I've, I've done two this year. I've got two more. Um, I should know the date, of course. So I think we've got one at the end of August. And then we've got one um, later in the year. Again, on my site, you can find the campfire sessions. I charge for these. I've kind of turned them into like a kind of an elegant video podcast. I'm really trying to visit if that was the right call. The content, I, you know, I'm biased, but it's fantastic. I sit, I have people sitting around a campfire and you can actually come physically to the campfire and, and, and that's on the site too. But if not, you do it online, online in a live format where I talk about, and I've had themes, you know, the battlefield and. And, um, aspire to suffer. The next one's going to be the, the briefing room. So I, I, I unpack and talk about a, a, a topic I enjoy and think it is of value to discuss. And then I really open it up. So the people sitting around the campfire get to ask me questions online. You can ask questions. You can submit questions in advance of the, uh, of the campfire session. We go for about an hour and a half. Um, I've loved it. It's been a neat way to connect with people and, and, and kind of um, create a little tribe of people that are trying to perform at the highest level. So Commander's Coffee, Campfire Sessions, you can find them at RourkeDenver.com and uh, we'd love to have you join. Excellent. For the listener, I'll have everything with, that uh, Rourke just talked about here in the action plan. I've got a page of notes. I don't know about you, but I've got a page of notes and I'll have all that in the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. I'll have links to Rourke's website, uh, to his social media, the campfire sessions, etc. So uh, so make sure you grab that and, and check out what Rourke's doing because it's, uh, it's pretty awesome stuff, as you can tell by our conversation here. So Rourke, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. No, thanks for having me, brother. I enjoyed it. And for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.